Hello, and welcome to Uxer Radio, a social science talk show from the University Center for Social and Urban Research here at the University of Pittsburgh. I'm Rob Keen. I'm Bob Graddick with the Urban Regional Analysis Program, and I manage the Pittsburgh Neighborhood and Community Information System. Today's topic is Neighborhood Information Systems. This is uh, our third podcast in this series of Neighborhood Information Systems podcasts. Uh, our guest in the studio now is Mike Schramm from Case Western Reserve University. Uh, he works for the Center on Urban Poverty and Community Development. Welcome to the uh, studio, Mike. Thank you. They are part of the National Neighborhood Indicators Partnership. They were a founding partner. Uh, it's interesting, We just uh, our last podcast was with Kathy Pettit, the co-director of the National Neighborhood Indicators Partnership. Again, welcome to the show. Yeah, and yeah nice to see you, Mike. Thanks for driving down. Um, I think for our audience, just kind of a little introduction to what actually is NEO Can Do. NEO Can Do stands for the Northeast Ohio Community and Neighborhood Data for Organizing. It was founded in 1992 as Can Do, the Cleveland Area Network for Data and Organizing. And it was basically designed to uh, disseminate information collected uh, when the Center on Urban Poverty and Community Development did studies on urban poverty. Uh, they collected a lot of data. This was prior to the information revolution, so the idea of bringing data across sources was very unique. And the community um, spent a lot of time requesting data from the center on uh, you know, the various uh, crime, demographics, uh, social service programs. And it was decided at the time, rather than responding to data requests from the community, uh, the people at the time would put together a, a, a system that would allow the data to be presented to the public. And it was actually a, a dial-up system because it predated the World Wide Web. Uh, we were one of the first in the country to bring this, this idea forward. Uh, I was actually in eighth grade when the first version of CanDo came online. So we've been doing it for a while. Wow. And you're not in eighth grade anymore. I'm not in eighth grade anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. And your role there is to work with the data in, in what I know. Is that... That's right. I, I, I work with the data. Um, I uh, coordinate um, to make sure that all the data get updated in the way that it should. Uh, we have a, a large collection of uh, property-based data in response to the uh, foreclosure crisis that's that's hitting Cleveland, and that's sort of my part of the uh, the the website. We also have a collection of, uh, you know, social service data, demographic data, things like crimes, juvenile delinquency, food stamps, and, and there's other staff people that take care of those sources. But when it comes to the front end of the database, uh, user trainings and other um, user requests, user assistance, uh, I'm sort of the front man. Got it. So, yeah, one of the interesting things I've learned about you is is that you were recently involved with some mortgage fraud prosecutions in Cleveland. I'm wondering if you could tell us a story about, about that. You know, how did it start? Did you bring it to somebody's attention, or did somebody come to you and say, can you provide us with some data about this? Our uh, work with the uh, community, uh, in particular, one of the community development corporations in Cleveland, Slavic Village Development, one of their block clubs uh, became very frustrated with all of the vacant houses, all of the investor-owned houses within their neighborhood. And they came to, to me and basically said, we want to know who's responsible for 
for this blight in our neighborhood, these vacant houses, these foreclosures. So what I started to do is pull together property transactions records for the year previous, maybe two years previous to when we met with this group. I believe it was back in 2007. And what we started to notice was the same set of actors, the same names in the property um, transactions, you know, sales information, mortgages information coming from various public records that we collect. And we it was basically a one name would lead to another name which would lead to five more names and it was uh, uh basically um working with these um residents from the block club working with the councilman and the councilman's interns with the information in hand the interns actually went into the records room at uh, City Hall to pull out additional information that wasn't electronically available. The City of Cleveland has what's called the Certificate of Disclosure, which is basically putting together the buyer, the seller, the mortgage company, the appraiser, the mortgage broker, all onto one piece of paper. Unfortunately, it's a it's a you know it's a static document. It's just a piece of paper, and it took the interns a couple of months to go through. You know, approximately 120 transactions. Well, what they found was the same mortgage broker and the same appraiser um, on each one of these properties. So, us, the councilman, Neighborhood Progress, who is another uh, park community partner, basically shopped around this white paper that the neighborhood organization wrote using our data, the interns' data and shopped it around to the FBI, the uh, the state attorney general's office, and eventually uh, there were indictments made. Uh, recently, um, all of the people involved pled guilty and are on their way to jail. Wow, you, be- you better watch your back, Mike. You're not making <laughs> friends up there. I, 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 I think I purposely avoided going to the sentencing so that, uh, that people would not see my face. Yeah, nice. And, and one of the other things that we're trying to emulate here is, is your work with housing counseling agencies in Northeast Ohio in, in, in support of foreclosure prevention efforts. That, now, what goes into your work with that? Okay. Well, first of all, we did a, uh, a, a, a report called Pathways to Foreclosure in which we linked a bunch of different data sources together. So uh, local county recorder records on mortgages with a national data set on the different sort of the characteristics of that mortgage and then linked it forward to foreclosure. And we were basically able to figure out the loans that were most likely to go into foreclosure based on loan characteristics and borrower characteristics. Well, rather than just, you know, put that into a report that sits on a shelf, draws some attention, people read, we decided to put the data into action and share with the counseling agencies and the Cuyahoga County Foreclosure Prevention Program those individuals who had these at-risk mortgages based on the characteristics from our study, as well as those people who have a foreclosure filing, because once you have a foreclosure filing, there's still time to work it out. So um, what's happening is in certain target areas, working with certain, um, with ESOP, it's a, it's a community organizing and foreclosure prevention agency, they're actually doing door knocking on the houses with the at-risk characteristics or those people who who have a foreclosure filing uh, in their name and on their property. 
Uh, so that's one thing, and, and it's basically inviting them to come to ESOP, make an appointment, and discuss uh, their mortgage to try to come to a, uh, you know, to do a, to a, do a loan workout. And in, in the case, uh, you know, it's before, in some cases, before the foreclosure is even filed. Uh, the other system is, is we're working with the Cuyahoga County Foreclosure Prevention Group, and they are having um, sort of foreclosure outreach events in clusters of community and clusters of clusters of communities in Cuyahoga County, clusters of neighborhoods in the city of Cleveland, and everybody on the at-risk list is invited to attend this event in which all four counseling agencies are present and they can then start the pa to fill out the paperwork to get into their various programs. That's been done three times now. We're probably averaging, um, you know, around 20 outreach events each time this is done, you know, sort of like a circuit through the through the community. And, um, you know, anywhere from 40 to 80 people are showing up at these events. So wow. um, it must be more than the cookies then. I, I don't even think there are cookies there. It's, really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's just space and counselors. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, 40 to 60 was lower, 40 to 80 was low for an event because we're sending out for each event 1,500 to 2,500 letters. But at the same time, uh, the counselors are telling us that when we do an event without this targeted outreach, you know, we're lucky to get 10 people. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and another way that you're doing kind of data-driven, in, in that case it was organizing, in this case it's going to be data-driven enforcement. And, and this is something that the city of Pittsburgh is really interested in working with us on, um, is data-driven code enforcement. And, and I was wondering if you could talk about your relationships in Cleveland and, and, and some of the things that you're doing to be proactive about that. We are just uh, beginning a project that's called Operation Prevent. Our uh, partners in city council coined that name. And uh, it's basically bringing data to the code enforcement process. In Cleveland, one of our biggest challenges are the people who are coming in from out of town and buying up foreclosed property from various banks at rock bottom prices. We're talking $100, $500, $5,000. And basically these houses are negative assets. Um, there's absolutely no market for them. They've been stripped by, as, as you've taught me, midnight plumbers. And uh, they are... Um, Really, the, the best course of action in some cases is just to tear them down and bank the land for, uh, you know, a better day. And um, one of the things we're doing is feeding the city's Department of Building and Housing information on when uh, various investors are buying houses so that code enforcement can be brought to it. Um, or which banks own certain houses so that they can be, um, I, 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 I don't want to say targeted, but they can be targeted for they, code they enforcement. Can they can stay on top of things because we, we, you know, we know that houses that are vacant, that have been through foreclosure, are vulnerable to some not-so-nice things. What else we're getting out of this process? So we're providing the city with the data on who owns it, which investors, is this a post-foreclosure house? Well, they're providing us information on where they're actually demolishing and condemning and inspecting and, and, and writing code violations for because uh, a, a true data-driven system does not work without sort of a feedback loop. 
So we can't tell them to go inspect, say, 32 Main Street because they may have already inspected it, and we need to know that information before we can tell them through through our various systems where they should be targeting their efforts. This is a very exciting, uh, you know, initiative that's that's just really starting to take ground, um, you know, as we speak. And um, hopefully, the the next time you have me back, I'll I'll be able to report, uh, you know, more on did it work. Did, uh, and other things like that. Are, are, are we inviting you back? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I hope we, we're having we, a conference next year. Ball, perhaps. We, we can we can think about that. That's right. <laughs> Depends on how things go today. At the <laughs> yeah, and 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 the last question I wanted to ask you is is a little bit about the relationships you've developed. You know, we're we're a lot younger at this uh, and than than you've been. Like, how long have, has a uh, Case Western been involved with this project? Eighth, since you were in eighth grade. That's right, right since I was in eighth grade. So, um, you know, the center was founded in 1988 to look at issues of concentrated poverty. And we really started this community information role in the early 90s. And that sort of developed and matured and evolved uh, with new sources, new data, new functionality in the website. Um, new research projects. Um, you know, we're we're just not about the the property information, but we also have a, a, a um, you know, you know, a breadth and depth of holdings in, um, you know, the social and economic data, food stamps, and juvenile delinquency court, school readiness, and and other things like that. So, you know, we've been able to become multidisciplined and multi-topiced in our research and our, our data holdings. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so these relationships and these projects you talk about, are, are these all ideas you come up with, or do people come to you? It, it's you a know, how, do, how does that all come about? I would say it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, in our, our property data and foreclosure research, we've had a key partner uh, for the last five years, Neighborhood Progress. They're a uh, community development intermediary in Cleveland, and basically they take local foundation money and national money from living cities and funnel it down to on-the-ground community development corporations and provide them with some sort of programming framework. They were sort of first to lead the charge in Cleveland on the issues of vacant properties and foreclosure, and we've been working hand-in-hand hand with them since then. Um, they've been generously funding us, uh, and they've been doing things like uh, advocating for the new Cuyahoga County Land Bank, of which we are now a partner of. It's modeled after the Genesee County, Michigan Land Bank. Um, you know, we're providing them data for their property profiles and other things like that. Um, like I said, we're working with the foreclosure counseling world, um, the community development corporations, we're working with the foundations, um, and the city and the county. All of all of these people um, are are key to, you know, it's it's not about collecting data just for the sake of collecting data, but you need sort of people to use the data and programs for the data to fit into, um, really to be uh, to have an effective. Uh, community information system and and um, yeah, you know, I totally agree. I think it's it's really important to kind of build build people's capacity to use the data. So it's, you just don't hit people with data over the top of the head or throw it in their lap. It's getting them ideas and 
then you give them the data and you show them how it can be done and then they're like, oh, this is great. And or they give you ideas back. Absolutely. Um, it's a two-way. One of our, our projects with Neighborhood Progress is to work on what's called the Neighborhood Stabilization Team, which is finding the, the neighborhood assets the you know the houses that have been rehabbed the positives in the neighborhood and locating the negatives near those positives and bringing the negatives to some sort of beneficial outcome so that's that's a that's a great idea we'd love to steal yeah. there are there are things that we've talked about working together and i was wondering if we could touch on those as we wrap it up here um you know we, we've been together on on nnip business a good bit um We've been back and forth for different tours and visits, and you're here today in Pittsburgh. Um, any ideas you have on things we could keep working on together? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, the the beauty of, of NNIP is it really allows us and, um, you know, close proximity partners like Pittsburgh or Detroit or something like that to to borrow, and I'm putting quotes on my, you know, with my fingers. He, uh, he actually is, yes. Yes, uh, <laughs> borrow ideas and analyses and different visualization techniques and different charts and different ways of, 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 ex of, of expressing the data and disseminating the data. So first of all, it's, it's good to, to be able to see what other people are doing because it gives you great ideas. And I always, uh, when I, I, you know, invited to other cities to talk about community information systems. There's actually a slide that uh, I stole from one of Bob's presentations. Uh, the first time we met here in Pittsburgh for the National Vacant Properties Campaign Conference, it was probably about three years ago, and uh, it's still, uh, you know, this one slide that I really liked from his presentation, I, I still use. Oh, nice. Um, but the other thing is, is um, you know, we're both you know just a just a jump away from from Youngstown Ohio which really needs uh capacity built as far as using data and revitalizing uh efforts so you you're talking to them we're talking to them so i think when it comes to working with Youngstown Ohio you know it, it should be done with both yeah. both organizations and, you know, just some sort of comparing what life is like and what data is like in Cleveland on some sort of research issue with what's going yeah, on. I think our involvement with the whole land bank issue here with Genesee County's, you know, former folks coming in and, and providing us with some technical support. So we can learn a lot from you. So we'll we'll be in touch about that as well. That's right. Yeah. So I, I just want to say thanks for coming in today. And you're going to be presenting at our users conference, our first ever one. Um, yeah, so we, we expect good things out of this. Uh, the uh, conversation today was Neighborhood Information Systems. Our guest in the studio was Mike Schramm uh, from the Center on Urban P Poverty and Community Development at Case Western Reserve University. Thanks again, Mike, for joining us. The opinions expressed during the show are not necessarily those of the University Center for Social and Urban Research or the University of Pittsburgh. Discussions are intended for educational and entertainment purposes only.